Welcome to I'm Not Dead Yet with Judy and Travis, a podcast about living an extraordinary life with extraordinary circumstances. Welcome to the I'm Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your co-host, Travis Robinson. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at age 35 in 2014. And I'm your other co-host, Judy Yaris. My husband, Sandy, had Parkinson's disease for 18 years, and I was his care partner. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Judy about her recent uh, surgical adventure and Mm. what it's been like subsequently um, living in the house of uh, disabled. Yes. (laughs) Temporarily disabled. Temporarily disabled. That is absolutely a good way to put it, Travis. Yeah. So, hi, Judy. How are you doing? Hi, Travis. I'm doing okay. I finally have a little bit of a voice, um, so I feel like I'm not as hoarse as I was a week and a half ago, but um, I'm doing all right. You know, overall, every so often, I have a little lapse of feeling like, shit, this is no fun. And uh, I want out, but you know, I'm here for the long haul, so I've got to do it. And without boring or going into big detail with with our listeners, um, I'll just say I had to have surgery a week ago because I had torn ligaments and muscles, like basically shredded and ripped them off the bone in my buttocks. And, um, People said, oh, when did you, did you have an accident? And I'm going, yeah, no. I stepped out of the car after doing a road trip and couldn't walk, had excruciating pain back in the end of August. And so what came to pass is, and this is a great lesson for care partners. I, I'm going to preface this by saying, if you are a care partner, listen up to this because this is very interesting. Apparently, I had an MRI in 2014, which showed a mild tear in these two areas, in these two uh, muscles and ligaments. And when the doctor said to me, well, we do see, we did see a partial tear in 2014 when we did that MRI. And I looked at my doctor and said, what MRI? So... Obviously, in 2014, while I was working full-time and care partnering full-time, I didn't even register or remember that I had an MRI, let alone hear them say... What the results were, yeah. Or any other things, like a little mass that was in there. I I just didn't hear it. And I wiped it out of my brain. Okay. So I tried to go back and look at what was going on. What the fuck was I doing at that point? And clearly it's because Sandy was going through a really bad time at that point. And I just came last. That was it. There was, so what I did was I just mentally put it in the back of the file cabinet and I just forgot about it. Way back of the file cabinet. So when I had this MRI, I was going like, how is that possible? But it does show you what you do 
when you are so focused as a care partner on someone else and yeah. you are not at all looking at yourself and your self-care. Right. You're not even noticing when you're in an MRI machine. Which you're not is even really... noticing or, or remembering that you mm. must have had an MRI. Now, what must have taken me to that MRI was I must have been in some physical distress, clearly. Right. And I have wiped that out of my brain. So I do not remember anything going on with me. I mean, I at that time also, I, I just have to preface this, I was cycling a lot at that time. So I would say I probably had had a bike accident here or there along the way, which does occur when you do a lot of long distance cycling. So I probably just wiped it out. And it's a little bit alarming to me that I did that. But then I thought about it and realized that this is what we do as care partners. We are not first and foremost. It's the person we're taking care of, the person that we're assisting, and we're not important. But I am now here to say to you, you are important. And that's not to say that anything could have been done at that time. They probably wouldn't have done anything. Maybe I could have done like that stem cell replacement, like um, PRP or something like that. But I don't think it was even that. I think it's just, I just forgot that I existed and everything was wrapped around my job and my life here at home and nothing else was important. Right. So just a word for the wise. So now fast forward eight years later, and I have this terrible pain. I go thinking I'm going to need a shot of cortisone in my hip. And after seeing three doctors discover that there is no repair of cortisone that's going to make this puppy get better. And so I scheduled surgery for late December, um, actually the day after a very big birthday, which I have said I've had a very big birthday. So, And then the more I thought about it, there were three things that came to mind. One, a lot of doctors and nurses take, especially the ones that have been around a while, they take that week off. So they might be short-staffed in the hospital. And I also felt like, why do I want to spend the day of my birthday thinking about going in for this crazy surgery? I want to be able to enjoy myself and enjoy the holidays. And right. so I postponed it till January 10th. And, and that was great. So you know, all these things came together. And the whole thing about this particular surgery, it's not, the surgery itself is is rather specialized. And then the recovery is really the critical part of this surgery. So people that know me that might be listening know that I am a typical type A. I'm usually juggling three to five things at any one time. And at I'm, least one of them chainsaws. Yes, chainsaws at least. And I'm on the go a lot. Yes. So I don't sit home and watch TV. You know, I'm doing other things and I'm very active and I'm very physically active. And so when they said to me, it could be three months minimum that you will be walking with a walker, there was a big fuck no in my brain. <laughs> But after realizing that this is something that I really have to address, I thought, well, I can do this. I've had a couple of knee replacements. They're super uncomfortable and I can get through this. So 
I made the decision to do the procedure and it, it went very well. They feel it was very successful on the medical side. I have a hard time with uh, taking um, pain pills. Just want to say that to everyone. So the heavy duty pain drugs are not good options for me. So, and this was an outpatient, which was really also interesting to me that they send you home after this big procedure. Right. And I think that my goal was immediately, I can't be on any kind of heavy duty pain pills because it'll just destroy my gut. It'll destroy my mind and I will be so loopy and it's going to infect, it will really affect my recovery. So I was very fortunate that I was able to get sort of off of everything, even the extra strength Tylenol, uh, within four days and really only needed two pills of the heavy-duty stuff to um, get me through. And I'm very grateful for that. So my gratitude list lately (laughs) is about... Gratitude for the people that have been here for me, taking care of me. I want to, I'm just going to shout out to my cousin Janet, who flew from Seattle to spend 10 days with me and, and really take care of me. And, um, I could not have done it without her. (laughs) And then the support of my kids, but also my friends have been amazing. And as a care partner, once again, lesson number two, We are used to giving and taking care of others, but it is very, very hard to allow people to take care of us. So more than once during this past week and a half, people have said, you are the worst patient. You are the worst person to take care of. You're so bossy. And I realized that I look at this two ways. One, I was a care partner, so I looked at how I partnered with Sandy to help him when he was stuck with this immobility and how I was going to try to emulate what he was doing. And I hear his voice when I wanted to say, God damn it, Judy, or God damn it, Janet, leave me alone. I understood so much of what he was saying being in this position because now here I am only touching toes with my left foot and using a walker. And I will be on this walker for a while. And it could be a th- full three months. And the the good part is, is that my house is handicap accessible. And this is where I had another gratitude moment of saying, oh, I have bars in my shower. I have an accessible cabinet to reach all of my dishes, to reach a bowl. Everything is low. My kitchen was designed with that in mind. My ovens are low. So when we moved into this house, Sandy was using a walker most of the time. And that was one of the things that was really important to me was that I would have um, things that he could do easily in the kitchen because he loved to cook and he was a great cook. So now I'm looking at my kitchen going, this is great. I mean, the only thing that's above my head is a glass or a cup, which I can take down or have someone else take down for me and leave on the counters. But I can stand and actually reach the first shelf. And everything else is at my level, which is really fantastic. So I can sit on the walker and kind of roll from 
one side to the other side of the kitchen. And I have to concentrate because I remember getting mad at him if he, if the walker got away from him. And I said, how is that possible? But I can tell you right now, speaking very clearly, it is so easy for a walker to get away from you. Right. As it's soon as you possible, right? it, it's probable. It's probable. When I stop, I stop, I put those brakes on instantly. I have to think about it, but I put the brakes on because I go, if I don't put that brake on, I'm going to fall off of here or I could fall over or the walker could keep going and then I can't reach it and I can't get to it. So I'm kind of maneuvering through my house. I have no rugs, which is, of course, that was one of the first things we took out of our our house when Sandy, when we moved here, we really got rid of area rugs. And I realized that I'm pretty secure and safe in terms of moving around. And probably the only error that we made was when we made the shower in our master bathroom, there is a little lip, a step. And normally I would step over, I would step onto that and then into the shower. And now I'm not able to do that because I can't put enough weight on the other foot. So I have to hold the two bars, step up on my right leg and get all my weight and pull myself with my arms to get onto the shower chair in the shower. And also I have to have someone here when I do that. It is no longer an option for me. I won't be showering by myself for a while. So, you know, having to accept these things was really hard. But then I started to look at it and I I said to myself, I understand why people don't want to use walkers. I understand why people don't want assistive devices. They just don't. It makes them, there's a certain level of feeling old or feeble, or you feel handicapped. You feel like you can't do. There's so much of I can't when you look at that walker. But I had to just do this quick mindset for myself of saying, I can. This walker is going to allow me to go from my bed to the toilet, my bed to the kitchen, my bed to the den and sit on a sofa. It allows me the freedom. And so I'm looking at this assistive device as something that is really helping me. And I could not do it without it. Right. As opposed to something that's chaining you down, you're looking at it more as a pair of wings. A pair of wings, absolutely. you to fly. Yes. And so I want to say that to all the people out there that are going, I'm not ready to use a walker. Well, maybe you're not ready to use a walker in your mind, but maybe physically with your PD, you should be using a walker. And if you can play this little mind game for yourself and convince yourself that this is something good and positive, it will work to your advantage. And and that's what I have to do. So I've got all these lessons that I'm learning about letting someone help me put my socks on. I'm not supposed to bend down. If I drop something on the floor, it stays on the floor. If I have to transport 
a dish or a bowl or something from the fridge, let's say even to the microwave, um, my cousin Janet, genius that she was, came up with this great idea, something very simple. You know how they have bags? You have like a little basket or a little soft basket under your walker seat. Right. Well, you can't put a dish or a glass of water on that because it's going to obviously tip over. So she took a, a hard placemat that we had, but you could use cardboard or a little piece of wood. And I had a placemat that fit perfectly. She put it in the bottom of that basket. So now if I want to make myself a cup of hot tea or hot water or anything, if I'm going from one location to the other, I can put the cup in that basket with that on top of that tray, and I can just wheel myself over to anywhere I want to go and know that it's not going to spill. If it does spill, it's not going to hit the floor and I'm going to have shattered glass and the dog is going to get into it. It's just going to spill on the walker and who cares, right? right? So I thought, you know, and she, we were saying how you have to really think out of the box now. Yes. You, you can't think of yourself in the, I mean, you can think of yourself in the same way as a person, as a human being, but you have to look at, at this adaptation of how you're going to get through your day. Yes, and it requires a lot more premeditation in each step, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. I, I'm not. Oh, I'm going to have to take in uh, my my medication now. Oh, that means now that she's gone, I have to get to the kitchen. What time is it? I can't just think. Oh, I need to do it right now. Or I might add, when you have to go to the bathroom, if you have to pee, you don't say, right. "Oh, I'll listen a little longer to this podcast. I'll wait till the end." Because guess what? You can't do that. You'll pee in the bed. So you have to go. Got to stop the podcast. Got to get up now. Got to slowly go to the bathroom. I'll come back. It'll be there when I'm ready. And and that's how you have to do things. I, I've just taught myself in the last week and a half that this idea of slowness, of slower, slowerness for me is okay. And, you know, even going for my post-op check, walking to the doctor's office and thinking how slow I was going to get in there with my little toe tapping on with this walker. And I thought, I remember how slow it would be to walk with Sandy to go into an office or to go anywhere, to go visit someone, just going from the car to the next place. There, there's so many points that we have to look at. And I really am paying attention. And mindfulness is my thing. I mean, I'm I'm meditating and visualizing healing. I'm visualizing these muscles staying attached and connecting and everything getting close together. And I'm visualizing myself on my bike and I'm visualizing myself playing with my grandchildren on the floor. And I am visualizing health and well-being along the way. So Splendid. that's kind of my story, Travis. I mean, I've been talking a lot. What about you? <laughs> I'm doing reasonably well. I just thought it was worthwhile to check in, um, not only to tell our listeners how you've been this past week, but also share some insights that you have obviously had as the care partner 
now being the one cared for. Mm-hmm. And that's always an interesting role reversal, awareness moment. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one. It's very hard to switch gears like that. Yeah. It really is. And you don't you don't realize the impact, the little game it plays on your mind, you know? Um, because I can see yeah. and I, I, you know, everybody says, oh, why are we talking about so much positive stuff? Like Parkinson's is not positive. And I'm going, yeah, Parkinson's is not positive, but- you can still live your life pretty well with Parkinson's. And you just have to make these adaptations of what life looks like. Am I right? Is that the right word? Yes. And it is, um, it's amazing what you can reconfigure your life to look like um, with a new set of eyes. Yes. I mean, I think about you, Travis, taking these trips where you're going to mountain climb and I'm reading the weather report and it's kind of harrowing and scary to me. And I think you have to really approach this from a different place than where you would have done it 10 years ago. Yes. You know, that moment where you think, oh, I will just go and do, and you can't just go and do. That is very impactful when you're in a situation where timeliness becomes of the essence, where you're not just risking peeing the bed, but perhaps falling to your death. Yes, exactly. Far more critical for you than for me. Oh. And, and so I think it's, um, I think it's a, a pretty big challenge for me as I'm just in my first weeks of this. And you'll hear from me again, folks. You're going to hear from me as I go through this. And I hope I can keep this same feeling that I have um, for the next three months, because I think that's what it's going to take for this healing to take place. It's going to be a long haul and keeping this slowness and keeping this restful new me, you know, and that's what it is. It's really a new me. So. I, I'm just trying to, um, someone said to me, oh, are you watching TV all day? And I'm going, yeah, no, I, I can't even focus all day on anything, but I'm sleeping a lot still. I'm still in that phase of this recovery that I'm resting yeah. a lot. Well, it makes sense when you have an invasive surgery. Yeah. And my friend said to me this morning when I called her and said, I'm having a pity party for myself. And she said, well, that's okay. You're allowed to have a pity party, but it's a lot of work to heal. And I never thought of that before, but it is. Healing your body takes so much effort. And you are healing your body every day when you have Parkinson's. Yes, and... If you have Parkinson's plus anything like a cold or a cut on your finger or anything, we've talked about how how much longer it takes to heal and how knocked out you can be from otherwise just benign things. It's because your body is trying to heal while at the same time it's carrying the load of PD. 
Yes, that's exactly right. So, you know, I, I think that we're at a place now where we just have to recognize that when you have PD, it's going to take more effort for you. And that's just yeah. life. And, and that's what you have to do. And so um, kudos to you. Kudos to all my <laughs> listeners out there that um, are using walkers or contemplating using walkers and don't want to do it. And my suggestion is give it a try. See if it gives you a little more freedom in your house. See if it allows your partner not to be so worried about you, not to nag you about going from a place to place. And just give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. All right, Judy. Well, on that, we'll wrap it. Okay, Travis. Good to see you. All right. That's a wrap. Bing.